0: This message is the word of the Lord given to Israel through Malachi. The Lord said, I I have loved you, but but you ask, how have you loved us? The Lord said, Esau and Jacob were brothers. I loved Jacob, but I hated Esau. I destroyed his mountain country, left his land to the wild dogs of the desert. The people of Edom might say, we were destroyed, but we will go back and rebuild the ruins. But the Lord All-Powerful says, If they rebuild them, I will destroy them. People will say Edom is a wicked country. The Lord's always angry with the Edomites. You will see these things with your own eyes and you will say the Lord is great even outside the borders of Israel. The Lord all-powerful says a son honors his father and a servant honors his master. I am a father, so why don't you honor me? I am a master, so why don't you respect me? You priests do not respect me. But you ask, how have we shown you disrespect? You've shown it by bringing unclean food to my altar. But you ask, what makes it unclean? It's unclean because you don't respect the altar of the Lord. When you bring blind animals and sacrifices, that is wrong. When you bring crippled or sick animals, that is wrong. Try giving them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? He wouldn't accept you, says the Lord All-Powerful. Now ask God to be kind to you, but he won't accept you with such offerings, says the Lord All-Powerful. I wish one of you would close the temple doors and that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you and I do not accept your gifts, says the Lord All-Powerful. From the east to the west, I will be honored among the nations everywhere that Incense is burned and clean offerings are offered to me because I will be honored among the nations, says the Lord All Powerful. But you don't honor me. You say about the Lord's altar, it is unclean and the food has no worth. And you say, we are so tired of doing this. And you sniff at it in disgust, says the Lord All Powerful. And you bring hurt, crippled, and sick animals as gifts. You bring them as gifts, but I won't accept them from you, says the Lord. The person who cheats will be cursed. He has a male animal in his flock and has promised to offer it, and then he offers to the Lord an animal that has something wrong with it. I'm a great king, says the Lord All-Powerful, and I am feared in all nations. Priests, this command is for you. Listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Honor my name says the Lord All-Powerful. If you don't, I will send a curse on you and on your blessings. I have already cursed them because you don't pay attention to what I say. I will punish your descendants. I will smear your faces with the animal insides left from your feasts and you will be thrown away with it. Then you will know that I am giving you this command. So my agreement with Levi will continue, says the Lord All-Powerful. My agreement for priests was with the tribe of Levi. I promised them life and peace so they would honor me, and they did honor me and fear me. They taught the true teachings and they, and uh, they tra- taught the true teachings and spoke no lies with peace and honesty. They did what I said they should do, and they kept many people from sinning. A priest should teach what he knows, and people should learn the teaching from him because he's the messenger of the Lord all-powerful, but You priests have stopped obeying me. And with your teachings, you've caused many people to do wrong. You've broken the agreement with the tribe of Levi, says the Lord All-Powerful. You've not been careful to do what I say, but instead you take sides in court cases. So I have caused you to be hated and disgraced in front of everybody. We all have the same Father. The same God made us all. So why do people break their promises to each other and show no respect for the agreement that our ancestors made with God? The people of Judah had broken their promises. They have done something God hates in Israel and Jerusalem. The the people of Judah do not respect the temple that the Lord loves, and the men of Judah married women who worship foreign gods. Whoever does this might bring an offering to the Lord all-powerful, but the Lord will still cut that person off from the community of Israel. This is another thing you do. You you cover the Lord's altar with your tears. You cry and you moan because he doesn't accept your offering and he isn't pleased with what you bring. You ask why. It's because the Lord sees how you have treated the wife that you married when you were young. You broke your promise to her even though she was your partner and you had an agreement with her. God made husbands and wives to become one body and one spirit for his purpose so they would have children who are true to God. So be careful and do not break your promise to the wife you married when you were young. The Lord God of Israel says, I hate divorce and I hate people who do cruel things as easily as they put on clothes, says the Lord All-Powerful. So be careful and do not break your trust. You have tired the Lord with your words. And you ask, how have we tired him? You you, you did it by saying, the Lord thinks anyone who does evil is good and he is pleased with them. Or you ask, where's the God who is fair? The Lord all-powerful says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And suddenly the Lord whom you're looking for will come to his temple, the messenger of the agreement whom you want, he will come. No one can live through that time. No one can survive when he comes. He will be like a purifying fire and like laundry soap, like someone who heats and purifies silver. He will purify the Levites and make them pure like gold and silver, and then they will bring offerings to the Lord the right way. And the Lord will accept the offerings from Judah and Jerusalem as it was in the past. The Lord All-Powerful says, Then I will come to you and I will judge you. And I will be quick to testify against those who take part in evil magic and adultery and lying under oath. Those who cheat workers of their pay. Those who cheat widows and orphans. And those who are unfair to foreigners. And those who do not respect me. I, the Lord, do not change. So you descendants of Jacob have not been destroyed. Since the time of your ancestors, you've disobeyed my rules and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord all-powerful. But you say, how can we return? Should a person rob God? Yet you're robbing me. You ask, how have we robbed you? You have robbed me in your offerings and in the tenth of your crops. So a curse is on you because the whole nation has robbed me. Bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn so there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord All-Powerful. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessing you need. I will stop the insects so they won't eat your crops and the grapes won't fall from your vines until they're ready to be picked, says the Lord All-Powerful. And all the nations will call you blessed because you will have a pleasant country, says the Lord All-Powerful. Lord says you have said terrible things about me. But you ask, well, what have we said about you? You've said, it is useless to serve God. And it does no good to obey his laws and show the Lord all powerful that we're sorry for what we've done. So we say proud people are happy. Evil people succeed. They challenge God and get away with it. Then those who honored the Lord spoke with each other and the Lord listened and heard them and the names of those who honored the Lord and respected him were written in his presence in a book to be remembered. The Lord All-Powerful says, they belong to me. On that day, they will be my very own as a parent shows mercy to his child who serves him. I will show mercy to my people. You will again see the difference between good and evil people, between those who serve God and those who don't. There is a day coming that will burn like a hot furnace and all the proud and evil people will be like straw. On that day, they will be completely burned up so that not a root nor branch will be left, says the Lord All-Powerful. But for you who honor me, goodness will shine on you like the sun with healing in its rays and you will jump around like well-fed calves. Then you will crush the wicked like ashes under your feet on the day that I will do this, says the Lord All-Powerful. Remember the teaching of Moses, my servant. Those laws and rules I gave him on Mount Sinai for all of the Israelites. But I will send you Elijah the prophet before that great and terrifying day of the Lord's judging. Elijah will help parents love their children and children love their parents. Otherwise, I will come and put a curse on the land. This is the word of the Lord. So that was a New Century version just for something different because we've been reading out of the English Standard Version. And just just another hearing of God's Word because God's Word was written to be heard, to be experienced and heard in community. We're going to look just at verses 1 to 3 today. Really, this last six verses of this book, we could spend probably a month on. And just scratch the surface. But today we'll just be, we're, we're going to hone in on one key idea I feel we need to hear today. First of all, it's talking about the day of the Lord. Well, well what is this day of the Lord? Uh, the day of the Lord throughout Scripture is a time of judgment and restoration. They, they always go together. Uh, not, not one event, but a series of events leading up to the great and awesome day the, the final day. But the, 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 the uh, prophets throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament can talk about the day of the Lord as just a time where God's judgment and restoration are made known. The pre-exilic prophets, those, those who uh, were teaching and who were active in Israel before the Babylonian exile, around 586 uh, BC, they talked about God coming to judge the enemies of Israel other nations, and a little bit about, you know, God's going to judge Israel, but he's going to restore them anyway. But then on the other side of the exile, after, the, 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 after Jerusalem has been destroyed, the, the temple's been uh, destroyed, Jerusalem's in ruins, and, and the people come back, the prophets start talking again a little bit about the enemies of Israel, but a lot about Israel themselves. There's a bit of a transition. The day of the Lord always has a sense of imminence. It's just about to come. (laughs) And has been for a long, long time. So so even Malachi, he says, Behold, it's coming. It's just about here, the day of the Lord. And word order is important. Behold, this this kind of a a cry, It's, it's a marker in Hebrew that just says, Pay attention, it's coming, the day. Coming. Always a sense of imminence. It's just around the corner. Now, now think about it. You know, Malachi has said, I'm going to send Elijah the prophet. Uh, he's going to prepare the way before me. And then Jesus in Matthew 11 says, hey, You know, if, if you get this, the, John the Baptist was the Elijah who was to come. Now, now, Malachi said, It's just about here, like it's right about here. And it's 400 plus years later. So Malachi sees this as something that's happening right away. But in our human linear time frame, it's not that close. At least in our understanding of close. You remember in uh, I think it's James, you know, God's not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance. For, for with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day, like, like he's, he's not bound by our time thinking. So the day of the Lord is this time of judgment and restoration together. And in Malachi, the message is for those in Israel. The day of the Lord will be a time of purifying and purging and of restoring and removing. Look, look again at, at chapter four and verses one to three and we see Malachi is saying, the evildoers and the arrogant, these are the people who are gonna come under judgment. If you go back just a few verses that we looked at last week, God says, you know, th- then you're gonna see that there's a difference. There's a distinction between those who do evil and those who don't, those who worship me and those who don't. But this was a message to the people of God and both were present within the people of God. This isn't talking about people outside of Israel and people inside Israel. This is, this is a message to the people of God as a whole. It's an internal purging of those who do all the stuff of religion out of duty and not relationship. And we've seen that throughout Malachi. Malachi is saying, if you're just here out of duty, that's not acceptable if you're just bringing unacceptable sacrifices, if you're worshiping out of duty and self-interest, go back to the first chapter for how that all fleshes out, then those are the evil things, right? You're bringing to the temple, you're bringing to sacrifice something that is blemished that is wrong. This is evil. You are doers of evil when you worship with the wrong motive and an unacceptable sacrifice. Even though you're coming to church every day, this is who you are. Those who bring unacceptable sacrifices, those who worship out of duty and self-interest, those who ignore the covenant relationships, chapter 2, and responsibility. Whether it's the priest to the people, husbands to wives, like from a big picture down to the home, those who ignore covenant responsibility, these are the arrogant and the evildoers. And, and really throughout this book, we've seen the questions, right? God says something and then the people respond, well, you say you love us, prove it. You, you say we're speaking against you, prove it. That, that's, you know, doubting the word of God, that's, that's the position of arrogance. And so the first issue that we find in chapter 4 verse 1 is the arrogant and the evildoers and these are people within who are coming bringing unacceptable sacrifices who worship out of duty and self-interest who ignore covenant responsibility and relationships and God says the day is coming when the fire will consume those Root and branch. Right now we've got a bunch of fires and the fire can go through quickly and it can burn the tops of the tree, but the roots are probably still good and the tree might regrow. But when the roots are destroyed, when the fire gets right in to the ground and destroys roots, then nothing's growing again. That's the image here. Root and branch, absolute, complete, nothing's going to grow again, nothing but ashes and a barren wasteland, verse three. And so the day of the Lord comes as a fire to consume the wicked and the arrogant. But the day of the Lord comes as a light of restoration as well, verse two. But for you, but for you who fear the Lord, and this is the only requirement This is the only place to stand for you. This is a direct address, second person. Notice, you know, he's talking about the wicked and arrogant in the third person. Now we're talking about you. Those who fear the Lord, those who have been written, that God has written down their names. Go back to that at the end of chapter 3. Uh, a memorial is written in his presence in the presence of God. this isn't like a book that they you know these people just didn 't get together and write this down on parchment. This is something written down in god 's presence in his heavenly court. He has your name. We get to the end of the book of Revelation, and all the dead are raised, and they stand before the judgment seat of Christ at the final day, and the books are are, are brought out and 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 everyone is judged according to their deeds, but those whose name is found in the Lamb's book of life, those are the ones who enter into life. So it's interesting, we're all judged according to our deeds, but it's the Lamb's book of life that matters. And so here's these people, this is Malachi speaking to people who have their names written in this memorial book, but for you, who fear the Lord, who honor the Lord, who submit to Him, who worship out of a love for the relationship with God and not for personal gain, who, who bring everything to God because they love Him and know that they are loved by Him. The sun of righteousness rises to bring healing and freedom and life. The Son of Righteousness rises. This, this coming day of Yahweh comes like a sunrise. It's a metaphor of the, for the coming day of Yahweh God. The Son of Righteousness rises. Light comes. And here's an interesting implication. That means for even the faithful, there are some times where there is darkness. We see now through a glass dimly But then when he comes, we will see clearly, for his light will shine on us. But sometimes we walk through life and there are times where it's just a little darker and it's hard to move around. Because this world is broken and stuff happens. The sun rises, light comes with healing in its wings. And this is a very standard ancient Near Eastern uh, metaphor for the rising sun that, that comes. And you can see it in, you, know, you see this in your garden, right? Like, like you're trying to get rid of those little white flowers that grow close to the ground, that elysium stuff that just gets everywhere. But you know it's morning because all of a sudden all these little flowers are like, oop, they face this way and then they follow the sun. Because that gives them life even though you don't want them in your garden. <laughs> okay, yeah, and sunflowers, like you just watch the natural world and they, they, everything orients toward the sun and follows it. Life, healing is in its wings and the implication here again is that even the faithful need healing. You can fear the Lord, but still be broken. Still be hurting. And you need his healing. The son of righteousness will come, and then you shall go out like calves from the stall. What what, what do calves do when they're penned up all night, and then you open the gate? Get me out of here! Right? Right? Kind of like your kids, too. They get cooped up all day, right, in the house. Get me out of here. You know, uh, uh, so, so Corbin's now like, got, like, messenger kids so he can message me, and he, he uses the, the, uh, just the text-to-speech thing. So, like, at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon now, I get this, Dad, when are you coming home? We need to go to the beach. When can we go to the beach? When, when can we go to the, the, the bridge so I can jump off the bridge because I think I'm brave enough today to do it? You know, he wants to go. He <laughs> Doesn't want to be cooped up in the house all day. You shall go out like calves from the stall, from the pen. And the implication here is even the faithful need deliverance from bondage. Because we've been penned in sometimes in our lives. Boxed in, limited. By life, by our own pain, by our own decisions, by things that have happened to us. But when the son of righteousness comes and, and we receive the light in our time of darkness and healing that, that we need for our hearts and our lives and our souls, and we, we are freed from the bondage of being penned in by, by these things that limit us and block us uh, from, from the life that Jesus brought for us, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Then you shall go out leaping because even the faithful need their joy renewed. And this is what I really want us to hear this morning, that the, the, the presence of Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness, brings light to our darkness, healing to our brokenness, freedom from our bondage, and renews our joy. Charles Spurgeon, in a sermon on this passage, says this, are you in, a dark, in the dark at this moment, dear brother? And are you wondering at it because everybody else seems so lively in their religion? Dear sister, does it seem to you as if, though you have been a believer for years, you were never in a worse state than now, while others are rejoicing and you ask yourself, do I still fear the Lord? Is your soul humbled in the presence of his majesty? And have you a desire for his glory? Never despair, the sun shall rise on you soon. I love this. Ask yourself, do you fear the Lord still? Is your soul humbled in the presence of his majesty? Have you a desire for his glory? Then never despair, for the sun shall rise upon you soon. The day of the Lord, in any era, the ultimate and, and the ultimate and great and awesome day, brings these two realities together: God's ultimate justice and His ultimate restoration. Eternal blessing and eternal judgment. And again, from Spurgeon, because he puts it so well, the result of Christ's coming by His spirit as well as by His personal advent is always much the same. Should the Spirit of God visit this church with revival, it will not have an equally beneficial effect upon all. To some, the rising of this sun will bring healing and blessing, but to others, it will bring scorching and withering. Remember, it's both. God's judgment, God's restoration. So where do we stand on this? Where do you stand today? Two options are open to us that Malachi has put before us all the way through this message. We can stand opposed to the grace and the mercy of God or in awe of his grace and mercy. We can continue to worship on our own terms when we feel like it with whatever we feel is appropriate or convenient. Or we can take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. We can offer that which costs us little or nothing, or we can offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Two key questions that we have come back to over and over through Malachi's message were these two. How have you loved us, God? And where is the God of justice? And as we close, we need to hear God's answer to these questions. How have you loved us? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 4, 9-10 In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Quick definition. Propitiation, because what? The, what's that? That's not a word I use every day. It actually goes back to, it's, it's, it's a biblical word. It's a great theological word. It's also, you know, in, in uh, paganism, they used this word too, because if something was going wrong, like let's say a bunch of forest fires, then the God of fire must be angry. Therefore, we must bring a bunch of sacrifices and hopefully we can appease God, this God. And, and so they would bring these sacrifices and they'd do everything they could to try to appease the wrath of this God who is obviously lighting their area on fire. And hopefully, maybe because of what they did, God would relent. Notice what propitiation is talked about in the Bible. God sent his son to be that for us. We can't bring an offering to God that will turn away his wrath. God sent his son to, to be the propitiation for our sin. God showed his love, Romans 5, 8, for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how he loves us. But he is also the God of justice. That's the other question. Where is the God of justice? This was asked a number of times at Malachi. Malachi. Romans three twenty-one to 26. But now the righteousness, justice of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith again. <laughs> something's going on. You've got to try to appease this God's wrath so that blessing can come into your life. But God himself puts the sacrifice forward to appease his own wrath against sin. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in him. Isaiah 53, but he, the Messiah, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep of astray; we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How have you loved us and where is your justice? The hard questions that Malachi's audience was asking are answered here for us today on this side of the cross. God's love and his justice have been fully and finally revealed and satisfied in and through Jesus Christ, his life, his ministry, his sacrifice, his cross, his triumph over sin and death. And he brings healing into our lives, wholeness to our souls, light into our darkness, released from our bondage and joy inexpressible and full of glory. And we are invited now to enter the rest he has secured for us. Come to me, says Jesus, all who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Lord, your love is inexhaustible. Your grace is unfathomable. And so, Lord Jesus, we come today because there is nowhere else to go but to you. Lord, I I ask that uh, for those who have been putting their hope and their trust in their own ability to live right, to do enough of the right things, and to just be a good person, Lord, that you will show them today by your Spirit that there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the only way we can be justified is by your grace, received through faith that Jesus Christ has paid the ultimate price, has satisfied the wrath of God so that we can live in a right relationship with you, that you will never love us less than the cross of Christ has proved. For there is no greater love than someone lays down his life for his friends, and this you did for your enemies. For while we were still sinners, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. And so Lord, may we today all Because we all need your grace. We all need your restoration. We all need your healing. We all need your light. As the Son of Righteousness rises, may we submit our hearts and our lives to you, knowing that you love us with an everlasting love, that your justice rolls over this whole earth and will one day restore and make everything new that you do not change and therefore we are not consumed. Lord, turn our hearts to you more and more every day and all the more as we see the day approaching. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.